You're listening to a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. Well, let's gather back together as you enjoy your coffee and snacks and fellowship with one another. As Cassidy said, uh, or maybe someone said, Louis's not here today. Pastor Louis's not here. Well, Louis is here today. <laughs> I was just talking to Frances a minute ago, and she says, I know Pastor Louis, but what's your name? And I said the same. In fact, that, that's where he got his name was from our name. Don't you love birthday Sundays? I love kids. How many of you are old enough to remember Art Link Letter, Kids Say the Darndest Things? Kids are just so cute. I loved the one here that said, I like cupcakes too. <laughs> I, I hope you got to hear that. Well, what a joy it is to be able to share again this morning. Uh, I have really been enjoying Pastor Louis' series on the name of Jesus. If there's anything that I love to talk about and hear about and sing about, it's the person, Jesus Christ, and his name. And Louis's been doing just a great job with that, and I'm looking forward to the, the rest of the series. I'm kind of jumping into the middle of that series, and I'm going to be talking this morning about the wonder and the beauty of Jesus' name. Um, I love that song that we sang a few minutes ago. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. I want us to... Well, we can become very familiar with, with things. We can become very familiar with the name of Jesus, especially as believers who have walked with him for a while and we know him and love him and, we're, and through the teachings that Pastor Louis has been doing, the multiple dimensions of the, the wonder of Jesus' name, the power of Jesus' name, that his name is above every name. It's just, it's like limitless realities of in the name of Jesus Christ the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, so in the next few minutes, I pray that my prayer this morning is that we will come awesomely face-to-face -face with the wonder and beauty of the person and name of Jesus in a fresh new way. Let's think about it like this. Many of you have probably been up here to a service or gathered up here at night. And when you walk out these doors and you look over the city and you look up at the stars, and it's just beautiful, right? Yeah. Or, or just think about times in the city where you look up, and you say, wow, this is beautiful. Well, we like to go camping up outside of Bridgeport, up at the Twin Lakes area. And there's something about walking out, or we take our dogs with us, and they have to go out at night, and to go out, there's no lights, no nothing, and then to look up at the stars, look up at the sky where there's no city lights to dim it. And generally, my response is I look up and I go, wow, I didn't realize, I had forgotten how many stars there are. Without the city lights washing out some of the stars, you go out in that kind of darkness and your eyes are just like, wow. My prayer is for us today that as we talk about the name and person of Jesus, the wonder and the beauty of Jesus, that it gives us a wow, even more beautiful, more wondrous, more magnificent, 
than what we are familiar with. Are you open to that? May that be our prayer this morning. I know that uh, Pastor Louis wrote me this morning and said, we're praying for you. They're up at a Compassion First conference. And I said, well, I can't go wrong because I'm reading Scripture. The Holy Spirit is teaching. uh, And all I get to do is try to stay out of the way. You got Scripture, you got the Holy Spirit teaching, and you got people who love Jesus, and they say, here we are. And God wants to do something, I believe, pretty special in you as he has in me. The wonder, let's be reminded, when we talk about the name of Jesus, we're talking about the person of Jesus. And when we're talking about the person of Jesus, we're talking about the person, the Christ, the Messiah, the person who is the Son of God, the Word. God became flesh, became one of us, in whom all authority and is all power, risen from the dead and alive forevermore. Jesus said in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. If you think on that just for a second, we can just say that, oh yeah, hey, who was and is and is to come. Who was, who is, and is to come. He always was, he is, and he always will be. We'll touch on that in a minute. In fact, as we talk today, we are going to be coming right up against the finiteness of our mind to be able to understand what God reveals to us in his word. Are you okay with that? That there is a reality and understanding beyond what our finite minds can grasp? Anybody? Okay, are you with me? You say, you know, when we talk about God is great, how great is he? He's greater than I can think of. And he's even greater than I can think of, could be the farthest dimension of greatness. And so we're going to be bumping into that in the next few minutes. And let that be comforting to you because, you know what? God is greater than anything that we can fathom. Amen. We're going to be looking at two sets of scriptures. One is from Isaiah and one is from Colossians. The first one is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it's one of the most profound messianic prophecies of scripture. And it gives us some prophetic insight into the very character of who Jesus Christ is and who God is. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's take a look at this. His name will be called... Now, this naming of God, it says his name will be called these things. In the Old Testament, we will see that the names given in the, in the Old Testament are distinguishing characteristics or qualities of who God is. It's like, for example, when, when they came up with the name Jehovah Jireh. This is the God who what? Jireh, the God who provides And this is the God who Jehovah Rapha. This is the God who heals. And as people experienced and realized the greatness of God in the different areas where he was God over all, then there was a a name given to him. He's the God that provides. He's the God that heals. 
And here we see in Isaiah, it says, he is the God who is wonderful. He is the God who is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. There's a psalm that says, those who know your name will put their trust in you. And think with me for a moment about that. Those who know the name of God will put their trust in him. What name? Well, what name do you need to trust in? What is it that you need to trust God for? Is it for provision? Is it for healing? Is it for whatever it is in our life? Those who know your name, we know that his name covers every dimension of our lives. And so as I come to know the God who is faithful, then I can trust in him because I know his name, he is trustworthy, and when I come to areas that shake my trust, I can say, I know your name. Your name is trustworthy, and I can put my trust in you. And it's those who know your name will put their trust in you. Okay, let's get started. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is full of wonder. Wonderful has to do with the marvel, has to do with miraculous, has to do with uh, the wonderful, that which causes us to wonder, not like, gee, I wonder, but the kind of wonder and awe. His name is wonderful. There's a scripture in Psalms that says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord God for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that we would give thanks for the wondrous workings of God. Um, another one, Oh, Lord, you are my God and I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. And this wonder, again, is the, the settledness of the the absolute wonderfulness of God. It's hard to explain how wonderful he is. There's a song that we sing. Uh, his, your name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. And as we think of both things, it, he's wonderful. It's like if you see something that's beautiful and it causes you to wonder, it's, it's like, oh, this is beautiful. And it's wonderful. And it brings kind of a joy to your heart to see the wonderful. His name is wonderful. He is a God who is full of wonder. His name is Wonderful Counselor. He is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. Have you ever just been puzzled with stuff and you don't know what to do? You don't understand what you're supposed to do next? And you, you begin to pray and God begins to, to speak to you or you read his word and there comes wisdom. There comes insight into saying, oh, God. Or you're, you're sharing or praying with a friend who speaks a word to you. Or you talk to a person who just, in the conversation, you realize that God is speaking to you through that person. And there can come the wonderful counsel from God. He is a wonderful counselor. Romans 11 says, oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Oh, the depth of wisdom and knowledge. He is the source of all wisdom, the source of all knowledge. And as we know him and walk with him and discover him in his word, 
that we can be tapped into that knowledge. Colossians 2 says this, In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How many of you have ever thought about going on a treasure hunt? I mean a real one. Like a shipwreck where you would find a shipwreck and you would find old treasures of stuff. You know, we live in an area, uh, I, I would like to go up in the hills around, we live in Carson City, go up in the hills where the miners were and back, they throw things away and you're looking for treasures. And people have these metal detectors and you can go and look for stuff. And when you discover a treasure, it's like, oh, cool, look at that, what is it? Oh, it's an old tin can from the 1920s, isn't it cool? Well, Peggy doesn't think those things are cool, but... <laughs> and let me tell you a joke. Can I tell it on you, Joey? I, okay. Joey, my grandson. He, we, he was in Carson, and we were, going to the, we were taking a load to the dump. And I forget how old you are. I, we're seven, six, seven. So we go to the dump, and we throw all this stuff out. And Joey's eyes are about this big, looking at the stuff, all this stuff. And he says, Grandpa, I could live here. <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you still go to the dump? Do you still like those kinds of treasures? You know, one man's treasure is another man's junk, and there's a lot of treasure at the dump. But when we're talking about the uh, treasures, the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge, we're talking about God who has those hidden treasures and he allows us to discover treasures. You ever been reading in the Word and all of a sudden there's something of a treasure that God opens up in, in, right in front of you in the Bible? And you go, wow, I've never seen that before. And it takes on a whole new depth in your life. And, and it, I tell you what, those treasures are there. And just say, ask him. Next time you're going to sit down and read and say, Lord, let me discover one of your hidden treasures. Your hidden treasures are in his word and in knowing him. The hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is a wonderful counselor. His name is Mighty God. Mighty God, powerful warrior. Uh, he's victorious in battle. There is nothing too hard for him. Psalm 24 says, Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. There's stuff that we face in our lives and we go, oh, this is bigger than me. This is, I can't handle this. This is too hard. This battle is fierce. And I said, but we have a God who is the mighty God and there is nothing that can stand against and have victory over the God that we serve and the name of Jesus See, when we call out the name of Jesus, as Pastor Louis was sharing about last week, in the face of darkness, in the face of demonic activity, in the face of challenge, and we call upon, Jesus, I need your help. We're calling upon the wholeness of who God is. When we call upon the name of Jesus, we're calling on the one who is wonderful, the one who is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God who is able to fight for us and bring victory where there seems to be no way out. There's a song that from not too many years ago. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. You may be familiar with that. There are times in our life, in our walk with God, that it, there seems to be no way. 
But you know what? God will make a way. He is the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. Now, this is where we can easily run into that, what I was talking about, the finiteness of our understanding. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Father of eternity. His name is, the name of Jesus, his name is the everlasting Father. Psalm 92, 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Everlasting to everlasting. Think of it in terms of vanishing points. It's like you are from, from everlasting to everlasting. As far back as you can, your mind can go as far as back history. When did it all begin? How many, we, we put years on it. How many billions of, you know, I heard something the other day about they discovered a new something a hundred light years away. You know how far a light year is? How fast does light travel? 186,000 miles per second, something like that. That's pretty fast. Faster than my truck, okay? A hundred million times 186,000 miles per second, and that's just out there a ways. So vanishing point that way, and now let's go vanishing point that way. How far, how much time is there in future? Well, we're talking time. What if we're not talking time? What if we're talking God time, which is eternal? There is no minutes, hours. A day is like a thousand years. It doesn't matter to God. Doesn't matter. Time isn't relevant in the way that it is to us. And the everlasting Father is the God who is, who was and is and is to come. The everlasting Father, as far as you can go that way, as far as you can go that way. Have you ever stood at night or laid at night or looked up into the sky and just think, how far does that go? Just how far? More than 100 light years. I mean, it goes forever. Can you grasp forever into the blackness of space. You know, they say we are this one little planet in this one little solar system in this one little galaxy, which is galaxies of galaxies, which is, and it's like, I can't grasp that. I can't grasp when I start to look at into the depth of the universe and say that goes on forever and ever until we're ever and ever, there's no ever there. And there's no ever there, it's always was. It's the eternal, the everlasting Father. When we're talking about God, and we, here we are. Scripture says we get 70, 80 years if we're strong, and some get to live longer, some live shorter. Our little existence of 100 years, say, stretching it. And we're talking about and walking with and uh, have a relationship with the, God, the everlasting Father who was and is and is to come. It, it kind of makes the stuff of our life seem like he can probably handle it if we ask him. He's able. There's times where we just feel like, oh, this can't work out, but it can. 
because the God that we serve is able. He is the everlasting Father. And he is, it says here, the Prince of Peace. Real peace is only found in Jesus Christ. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, peace with our lives, real peace. In Acts 10, it says that Peter preached. What was he preaching? He was preaching peace through Jesus Christ to the house of Cornelius. If you remember the story of Cornelius, it, he, Peter was invited to come and talk to him. He said, well, what am I doing here? He said, well, we just wanted to send for you, Cornelius. And Peter says, well, he started preaching. And as he preached Christ, peace to them in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell on these uh, non-Jews. And they began to speak in tongues and worship the Lord. There was an outpouring of the Spirit of God uh, as they preached peace. And you'll see it over and over in the New Testament where things like in Second Peter, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're talking about the name of Jesus, just speaking the name of Jesus can be an, uh, a way that the very peace of God is ministered to someone else. Grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. It's not just a slogan that we say, oh, in Jesus' name, but it is when we begin to realize all this that God is, when we speak and pray in Jesus' name, we are tapping into all of it in that name because there is a name, there is no other name under heaven that man can be saved. There is no other name. He is the, it's the name above all names, and in that name is the greatness of God. And I go, wow. And so we can get, as I said a minute ago, very familiar with in the name of Jesus. It's kind of like, well, this is how we end our prayer. We say in the name of Jesus. But really what we're saying is when we pray a prayer asking God to intervene in something of our lives or in our world, and we say in Jesus' name, it's just not a good way to close a prayer. It is saying, and I'm asking this in the name of the one who is almighty, everlasting, all-powerful, knows every dimension of everything that's going on in our lives. And in the situation that I find myself in, I am calling forth the resources of heaven in the person of Jesus Christ, who became one of us and sacrificed himself that we might have life. So we say, oh, in Jesus' name. This is, this is not just the way we end our prayer. This is calling forth the power and peace, wonder of heaven into that situation. You see that? And we'll probably, say, we'll, we'll probably say, we will probably end our prayers just a little different. Instead of saying, in Jesus' name, we'll probably say, in Jesus' name. Knowing that as we speak those names, it's, it's like turning a lock and opening a door. It's like I can pray all day about stuff, but it's when I open the door and say, Jesus, I am inviting you into the situations of my life. Come in. And it's all that he is. Um, is made available to us through the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, I better get going because we're almost out of time. And Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20. We're going to look at a couple verses here. And if you have your Bible, you'll get frustrated if you look it up. But go ahead and do if you have it because the verses that I have here are 
taken out of about four different translations. <laughs> it, because I just laid them out so that I could understand them best. So we have here a number of them. But the wonder of his person. This is Colossians chapter 1. These verses are one of the most succinct descriptions of the person of Christ. It just blows your mind. Let's listen. Let's look. Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. Got it? We look at Jesus and see the God who cannot be seen. Can you see something invisible? How, let me ask it this way. How can you see something that's invisible? What's, what does Hebrews talk about? Faith is what? The evidence of things not seen. So if we're going to see into the invisible, if we're going to see a God who's invisible, I mean, we, see, we could have seen Jesus in the visible God, but to see God, we need to have faith. We need to have eyes of faith to be able to see the invisible God. Well, Jesus Christ is the visible expression of a God who can't be seen. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, that we could see you. They used to ask Jesus and say, show us the Father. We want to see God. Jesus said what? You've seen me. You've seen the Father. You mean all of God came in Jesus Christ? Yep. Yep. Verse 16 says, He existed before anything was created, for it is through him that everything was made, whether spiritual or material, seen or unseen. He made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. In fact, every single thing was created through him and for him. Every single thing. He existed before, he exists, and through him he created everything. Pretty amazing. Where did all this come from? Jesus did it. I mean, simply, he created everything, visible and invisible. And this scripture clearly says there's an invisible world we don't see, but we encounter. You have certainly encountered things like he's describing here, thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world, demonic influences and those kinds of things. You believe in the Holy Spirit, yet you can't see him. Uh, it's, it's very real. He existed before all. Verse 17 says, he existed before anything else. And I like this part. He holds all creation together. What's holding everything together? Well, the next verse says this. Uh, he holds all things together by the power of his word. He is the one who holds, keeps it together. Hebrews 1 says, uh, He made the worlds who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. He's, it's Jesus who's keeping it all together. Verse 18. Now he is the head of the church, which is his body, composed of all Christian people. In Ephesians 1, 22, it's similar addresses this. Jesus is the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
Jesus is the head of the church. What church? The Foursquare Church? Yes. Every church, every church that names the name of Jesus Christ, who comes and believes in the authority of Scripture in the person of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are the church, much bigger than just one little piece that we are. We can, th this can help us open our eyes and say, Jesus is the head. He relates to all the different parts of the body. Verse 19, in it was in him that the full nature of God, that is all the fullness of God, chose to live. This is another one of those stretching points where you think about Jesus when he was born, uh, the born of a virgin, grew up, this little, little baby boy grew up to be a young man filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, ministered miraculously for years, was crucified, died, and then rose from the dead. And we're looking at this and saying, he is God. And it says that in him, the fullness of God, in him that the full nature of God chose to live. How can the full nature of God that we've been talking about come and live within one person? in Jesus Christ. I don't know how he did it, but he did it, and we were able to recognize that, and so we say, it's not, it's not like, um, well, Colossians 2.9 says, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The full, all of God is in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get hung up in saying, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you're anything like myself, there were times in my life where I'd think, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father's in charge, right? Dad's in charge. Son, he's got his job, and Spirit, he does his thing. And if you were to say, which is more important, which is more powerful, and that doesn't even factor into this. Because then we find out that the Scripture says three and one. There are three, but three persons of the Godhead, but the Godhead is one. How does this work out? Well, it works out that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is not one's better than the other. But we see in Jesus Christ, it says, the fullness of the Godhead all dwelt within the person of Jesus Christ. Amazing. I don't know. I don't understand it. You know what? It's okay that I don't understand some stuff. If we think we have to have the answer to everything that we run into as we walk with God, you're going to be frustrated because there's times you just can't understand it all. Because I don't know if you know this, God is bigger than our brains. You know, he, his ways are much higher than our ways. And then the last part of this, verse 20 says, and through him God planned to reconcile in his own person, as it were, Everything on earth and everything in heaven by virtue of the sacrifice on the cross and through the cross to bring reconciliation to all things. Reconciliation means putting things back in order. Allowing there to come a reconciling between God and man that's been broken through sin and through his sacrifice on the cross. We can be restored in relationship to God. But it's not just that. It says reconcile in all things. Anyway, I want to wrap up this time speaking briefly about the, the beauty of Jesus' name. 
The beauty of Jesus' name. There's a scripture I ran across in my reading this week. It was from Psalm 69, and it said this. I will praise the name of God with a song, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. I will praise the name of God with a song. The beauty of his, of who he is, we can express worship and thanksgiving to him through singing. That's why we sing when we gather together. It's not just so Christopher will have something to do. <laughs> really, he is the worship leader of this congregation. And we, when we come, we get to declare the truth of the what we find in the word of God. We get to declare praise and worship to the living God. We get to welcome the power of the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within us as we exalt his name. There is great power in declaring the beauty of his name. And I've asked Peggy to come and share just a couple things about fanning the flame and singing and worship and how beautiful that is. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Jesus. Jesus. There's just something about that name. Hallelujah. Songs of the church. When Louis began putting this together, he said, we know a lot of songs over the last 53 years that we've known Jesus. Can you think of some of the songs that, that just magnify the name of Jesus or uh, just talk about him and who he is? And I, I just started writing some things down. See if you recognize any of these uh, songs that I'm going to tell you. It's the name above all names. Jesus, your name is power. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. His name. His name. Oh, how I love Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. There's just something about that name. Fairest Lord Jesus. Victory in Jesus. I mean, you could just start singing all these. I'm, I'm seeing this, and I'm thinking inside. I'm singing and getting excited. Jesus, lover of my soul, all hail King Jesus. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Praise the name of Jesus. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me, even me. Jesus loves me. This I know. Louis asked me to share a couple of stories about when I was chaplain and would have patience and, and singing. I had a 30-year-old ICU patient who was going to pass away. But he didn't want to die alone, and he was just terrified and despair distress, crying out to the nurses for help. And I walked by, and they said, can, can you just go in there and, and try to calm him down? So I went in, and I held his hand. And he said, I'm just so scared. I'm so scared. I know I'm going to die. And I don't want to die alone. 
I just held his hand, and I started singing. I started singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and Sunday school songs and anything I could think of, and I just was slowly singing and held his hand. And he began to relax. And after an hour or so, he finally fell asleep. He rested. And the nurses were so thankful. They said, you know, he has been so high maintenance for us, we can't get anything done. But with you going in there and calming him like that, I said, it was the song of the Lord that delivered him from his fears. I used to work at BHS, Behavioral Health Service, senior care area. Those being treated with uh, depression or memory care issues or drug addictions, suicides. Um, and so I went in and I sat at the table where many of the patients were coloring pictures of flowers and animals and nice scenes. And the nurse came up to me and said, you're not going to get much out of these patients. They're not going to even know that you're here. Most of them have Alzheimer's. They can't communicate. Many of them just mumble, and they might hit you, so watch out. So I picked up a crayon, and I started to color just watching them and listening to some of them and started singing quietly. Amazing grace. As I began to sing, a couple of them looked up at me and just kept coloring. They started moving their lips as I sang and started singing with me. Amazing grace. And the nurse's jaws dropped. That woman cannot talk, and she is singing Amazing Grace. You see, the beauty of singing in Jesus' name unlocked the condition of the heart and mind. The power of God that can bring peace, life, love. There was a young girl sitting on the steps outside the hospital one day crying, and I went up to her, and I put my arm around her, and I said, what's the matter, honey? And she said, I have a broken heart. My grandma just died, and I have a broken heart. And I said, Jesus loves you. And he wants to heal your broken heart. And he loved your grandma. And he loves you. And she let me just hold her, because I'm a grandma. And I, I just, I don't always do it, but if I feel like God says, do something or sing, I will. And I started singing. Jesus loves me, this I know. Because, you know, they say don't sing to a sad, sorrowful heart. But there was something as I began to sing that this girl said, 
wait, wait, wait a minute. I know that song. I've heard that song before. I don't go to church or anything, but my grandma sang me that song. And as I sang that song, and her grandma was gone, the God of all comfort was there, and he knew that that was a song she needed to hear, that her grandma was in the arms of Jesus. I come here once a week, if the snow lets me, <laughs> to the Little Lights preschool, and I also teach in Sunday school once a once a month, it's like herding cats to the three- and four-year-olds, I tell you. Um, but I love to sing over the children. I know I've got four great-grandkids in the groups, <laughs> and that's part of what motivates me. But I love kids, and I've always sung over my own kids at bedtime saying prayers, but singing with them. And if anybody ever told you that you can't sing, that's a lie from the enemy. God has given you a voice to sing, to sing praise to him and to sing over situations that are impossible, but to sing to the Lord. And I sing over these kids, and the beauty of Jesus' name as we sing can bring peace where there's chaos and life where there's death. And Jesus himself comes because he inhabits the praises of his people. I would like us to end today just by all standing together, if you would stand, please, and singing a simple song of love. You know it. You've heard it. You may not know all the words, but Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Thank you, Jesus. Such a simple song, such a powerful truth and reality. Let's live in that simplicity, the simplicity that is filled with the fullness of God. In the name and person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. Amen. We speak blessing over this congregation, over this city. Lord, may you continue to pour out your spirit and let us grow, continue to grow. Bless this people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. There's people that will be glad to pray with you right back at the white trellis if you would like to be prayed for. Otherwise, love one another. God bless. This has been a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. You can reach us via email at web at hillside4.org. That's W-E-B at hillside, the number 4, dot org.